Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 69. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. And we're a couple in Austin, Texas, getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's movie and media blind spots and uh, sharing our musty movies and guilty pleasures from the past. Each week, one of us chooses something, usually something the other person has never seen before, and forced viewing ensues together, and then we unpack it all here for you. Yes. That's what happens. Tell me whose choice it was this time. It was your choice. It was. Oh, yeah, I remember that now. Well, I don't know if anybody remembers because we've been gone forever. <laughs> I think we should we should <laughs> offer a, a special explanation for um So you our may absence. have heard, some of you, many of our listeners are in Texas, so went through this as well, but we were sort of in one of the epicenters of the terrible energy crisis Energy slash water slash everything broken was terrible. Because of the polar vortex. The polar vortex, yes, that came in and gave us what, you know, northerners would just call normal winter. But in Texas, we don't have the infrastructure to deal with the cold that we experience. So I think on Tuesday, it was 7 degrees Fahrenheit, which I don't know that it had ever been that cold in Austin in the entire time that I've lived here. Um, I hear it goes back to the 80s since it's been that cold in Texas and has been forever since it was below freezing for essentially seven days. It snowed six yeah. to eight inches. It was on the ground Yeah, We've never that had more than like a trace amount of snow in Austin. It usually melts off in an hour. In like 30 years. Yeah, it's... So it was really unusual. Our houses aren't built to deal with that cold. We, our roads aren't built to deal with that cold. And we learned the uh, Texas <laughs> energy grid is not built to deal with yeah, that. Yeah, apparently. Apparently. So we were without power for six nights, I believe. Only slept in our house two of those nights, but one of them was the coldest night. We should also say we don't have a working fireplace. Yes. <laughs> we have a two-story house, so we huddled upstairs Yeah, where all the the... I'm doing air quotes, yeah. heat from the day rose, yes. heat rises, and we made it through the worst night, and then that the next day is when we went fleeing to family, Yeah, to so um, we stayed shelter with with, uh, with Dave's ex-wife and, and the girls. Uh, we slept we in done, his... <laughs> we should have done a very special podcast, uh, <laughs> shut from... up and watch this. <laughs> in, a, in, an, in a crowded house. Yeah. Um, we slept in uh, Dave's oldest daughter's room for... About four or five nights, I think. Um, so thank you for so they had for a keeping us. <laughs> they had a fireplace. They had a fireplace. They, they had, had electricity most of the time. And then the city of Austin lost water. Water, yeah. <laughs> for how long? Three days. Uh, well, some people are still without water. Now we had bottled water. Yeah. So this is truly terrifying. I'm. Sh- I don't. I hope this doesn't happen to you. To actually turn the knob on your faucet and have it trickle down to nothing, and then just be gone for days. Well, we had no. The, see, the electricity water. scared me more than than well, that because we didn't know. have heat here, and and no connection. Like our cell phones weren't. Oh, working. cell phones were down. The yeah. cell phone tower, and then we learn a few days ago um, as they're going through what happened with Texas. <laughs> the Entire Texas grid was four and a half minutes from going out completely. Yeah, for like for like twenty days or more. Which would have yeah. gone out for weeks and yeah. caused catastrophic damage. And then you can imagine the entire Texas grid going out, 
no hospitals, no grocery stores, no <laughs> food distribution. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're talking about the breakdown four, four minutes away from that. Anyway, that's probably our best well, excuse for yeah, not doing a podcast in a while. That's why we did. I mean, like, they were going to do rolling blackouts, but they couldn't do it because they had to keep the critical parts of the grid open, which included hospitals. Um, so that's, we, unfortunately our neighborhood was just in one of those where they started a rolling blackout and they couldn't bring us out of it again. So, um, we think the reason that, um, where we were staying, they still had power is it was close to, um, I think there were some nursing homes close to where, you know, where they live over there. I think so. So I think that's why they stayed on more than we did. Um, here. So it was terrifying and scary and uncomfortable. And there's still a lot of people in Texas who don't have water. There's still people who don't have electricity. Um, there's still people who are, you know, traveling to get, I mean, there's people who have like catastrophic damage to their home from the flooding that occurred At least due to frozen pipes. Yeah. They say. So it was, it was terrible. It was, scary and 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 what's more is like nobody was expecting it like we thought it would just be cold for a couple days (laughs) so it was that was it was it took us a while to even realize how bad it was and then once we did it was kind of like numb and awful for a couple days so you'd understand why we didn't record a podcast yeah (laughs) i was was saying that that's our best excuse ever for for not recording. Well, and I want to say we're super lucky. We're so lucky we didn't have any damage to our house. Um, we, you know, I didn't expect to come out of this as as well as we did. And so well, we donated a bunch of money to Austin Mutual Aid. Um, there are still people in Texas who need a lot of help. There's organizations in Houston and Dallas and San Antonio. Um, big cities seem to be the ones that got hit the worst, as far as I can tell. Um, and we had some amazing city councilmen and stuff out yeah. on the ground, like organizing yeah. food distribution and water distribution. FEMA trucked in all yeah. kinds of bottled water. It, it's been, it, it was a disaster. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. I mean, and, and our, you know, our neighbors to this, like, as rare as freezes like this are in Austin, they're even rarer for Houston and San Antonio. So, I mean, like, I think Houston was really, really bad. And I think San Antonio, parts of San Antonio were really, really bad. So, yeah. um, but I mean, that said, you know, on our local Austin Reddit, I'm hearing people in apartments who haven't had water were like 14 days out from... I can't imagine how that apartment I used to live in fared. I mean, I heard all sorts of nightmare stories about people who lived in apartments and like... Exploding exploding pipes pipes. from neighbors who were away. Yeah. Um, You know, people who were passed out from the cold, you know. There was a lot of neighbors helping neighbors. Um, You know, I feel like we got a lot closer to, to, you know, our family locally just in staying with them for five days. Well, so. and then we, were, we had to yeah. pool resources. Yeah. So we had to clean out our pantry and just be yeah. like, we've got bread, we've got eggs, this stuff's still good. Let's just bring over everything we have. Yeah. We've got some rice, we've got a few potatoes. Here's the rest of our bread. And yeah. um, and we made it work. Yeah. Because there were no we had grocery to feed stores. Six, or we had 30. to feed six people and <laughs> two dogs on That's right. what we had because there was no going to the grocery store essentially at all. For, and as soon as the grocery stores came back, you had like 
huge long lines. Yeah, there were a lot of shortages. There were no milk, no eggs. HEB, as usual, our local grocery store here in Texas did a great job of handling it. Um, you know, HEB for governor. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we'll trade whoever's in charge of HEB for um, for Governor Abbott any day of the week. Um, so yeah, that's what that's what that's what happened. <laughs> Not all of us voted for this. In case you I, say I, I will always vote for H E B over Governor Abbott. So. Yeah, that's true. Um, not to get political. <laughs> so back back to the lighter side of things. I promise this week's film is the lighter side of things. Yes. Um, so which, you chose which we a needed. Movie. Yes. I chose a movie. Yes. I chose um, a Chinese ghost story, a Hong Kong film from nineteen eighty seven. That I don't hear talked about very often. I know. I it was almost hard to find completely stuff. forgot about it. And uh, I've only seen it once before. I happened to go looking for it and see that it was on Amazon Prime. So if you like what you hear today, go and watch it on Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, we can go from there. Yeah. So I don't know why I didn't see this. Apparently, it was kind of like a sleeper hit. I, my brother loved, loved, um, like, Kung Fu, Hong Kong kind of films. Like, he was, he was way into karate. He actually still Born is. and raised on all the Bruce Lee movies, Yeah, yeah, too, right? Bruce Lee. We watched lots of Bruce Lee, lots of, you know. So, I, what I remember is we would go over to my aunt's house for Christmas. Who's actually, she's my dad's aunt, but... Um, we would go there for Christmas and she had this large VHS library and one of her sons, her oldest son, Bob, had this huge collection of, of like Kung, Kung Fu movies and stuff like that. So that's what we would just watch that. You know, I guess I got to vote sometimes and I always wanted to watch Ricky Ticky Tavi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, uh, so we we watched a bunch of Bruce Lee all the time, and then of course my brother was obsessed with that as well. So my dad bought a bunch. So I just remember um, watching a lot of the sort of kung fu movies growing up. But I mean, like this would have been right up our alley. Like the 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 fighting and the silliness and the romance and like I don't know why we didn't see this because this I seems like the perfect kind I don't of movie think this- for. I don't yeah. think it was, was widely known in the States when Apparently you were growing it, up. It, it did well in Europe, I guess. But, um, but like, yeah, if this had come out and, I mean, like, I could see my family, like, watching this again. And, like, it has something for everybody. I may you know? be wrong, but I don't, <laughs> think this, I don't think this had any kind of release like that in the States. Yeah. I think it became a cult film okay. worldwide and then started to play in festivals and retrospectives and stuff like that and make the circuit and then get passed around on VHS. Um, That's interesting. I was going to ask what your experience was with Hong Kong movies because we hadn't really talked about it before. I remember you mentioning Bruce Lee. I don't have a lot of experience, but my experience is less with that sort of 70s Bruce Lee kind of thing and more with this like the golden age of Hong Kong action cinema, sort of the 80s and early 90s. This comes out of the late 80s. Um, I don't know if we were seeing much newer stuff. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we were young, though. I mean, like, I was five in 1987, five and six in 1987. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, let's just g- give a little bit of a 
something about what the flavor of this movie is and what it's about because it's just we've mentioned the title and have no, yeah. I imagine a lot of people never heard of it or yeah. haven't thought about it. <laughs> I mean, you said you hadn't heard of it. No, I'd never so heard of it. It's called A Chinese Ghost Story. It's from the late 80s. 87. Um, it, uh, thank you. It was produced by like the biggest producer of Hong Kong cinema of the time was his name, I think it's pronounced Chu Hark. Um, and uh, he, like the sort of Hong Kong cinema thing, they would call him more like the auteur, I think. Of, mm-hmm. Like he was kind of this big personality who produced everything in kind of a Steven Spielberg sort of way. Like he had his own, but he had a, his he own production He was responsible company. for the special effects that sort of characterized this film, I think. He produced the yeah. film. He he co-wrote it, I think. Yeah. He was a producer and a director. He, he did bit parts in his movies. I don't know if he has a bit part in this. Yeah. He produced a lot of the early John Woo movies, Better Tomorrow, mm. um, The Killer, two of my all-time favorites. Um, so he was like one of the biggest. And then he came over to the States in the 90s and made a couple Van Damme movies. I don't know which ones. And it kind of... Yeah. They didn't go very well not the boat one no <laughs> i don't know i don't know van damme movies i've probably yeah. seen one um there's a boat one and then he went back to hong kong where <laughs> his career picked up again yeah but interesting i learned today when i was looking at him because i i honestly i can look i can tell you the director's name is chu sing bung but i don't know anything about this director it's chu hark the producer well that that's about. what i i was in my research i also found that the producer there's like some discussion about how much the director had um, over the Apparently final he has a reputation work. for kind of taking over and in a sort of david selznick way i okay. think and kind of like it's it's my movie yeah. you're the director on the title but let's do it this way you know yeah, yeah. and comes in and, so they say he may, he's rumored to have basically virtually directed this movie and yeah. a lot of his other films. Well, and I think that that he was pushing to make a film like this since like the 70s, yeah. so, so the late 70s. So he was pushing to get it done for a while. So I don't know really how to characterize it, but it is based on traditional like 17th century ghost stories. But the film is like a mashup of romantic comedy and horror fantasy Mm -hmm. in a certain way. And it becomes something completely new. I actually was, I started writing down all the genres that this movie seems to like embrace. And I wrote down at least six. It has ghost story elements. It has romantic comedy. It has fantasy. It has musical numbers. Um, It has the horror elements. Yeah. Um, It's, I forgot about the, it's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, and at the heart of it, you have, uh, probably one of the well, most well-known male actors, Leslie Chung, um, mm. cause I don't know very many of the Hong Kong actors, <laughs> but I know him and I've seen him in a lot of films. Yeah. He's also co- one of the, uh, he co-stars in A Better Tomorrow and A Better Tomorrow 2, which I love, um, early John Woo movies. And he, we just saw him in Happy Together. He, oh yeah, he plays he's Ho Ping. That. That's he's, right. He's, he's, uh, it's, uh, Tony Lung and, and Leslie Chung are the couple. Um, he's the one who goes off and becomes a sex worker and is kind yeah. of, while well, the other guy runs a club yeah. or manages the club. <laughs> um, so I could talk a mile a minute and I think I am. Um, and I don't know where that leaves me. Uh, Chime in anytime. So when did you see this the first time? Um, that's the first and only time. Mm. First and only time until now. Well, until now. Until now. See, <laughs> I, you're going you're to catch me out yeah. on, on my misstatements here. Um, it would have been late eighties or maybe 1990 Castro theater, San Francisco. 
um, that's where I saw all of my stuff for the first time. They did a probably a week long two hark retrospective. I didn't know anything about Hong Kong cinema, and I usually what drew me into those was the wonderful paper calendar that they yeah. would send out with all the blurbs that you know I'd pick up at the outside the movie theater by the box office, carry it home, I'd go through and read it like cover to cover and plan out everything I was going to see because I lived two blocks away and I loved the movies. Um, and then you'd also get the, the trailers when you did see something there, you'd see coming soon and you'd see coming soon a Chinese ghost story. So that's when I saw my very first Hong Kong movies. And I remember seeing during that run, I saw Chinese ghost story, Shanghai blues and Peking opera blues. All of these are, they're all too hard. Mm-hmm. And then a better tomorrow one and two mm-hmm. and, um, loved it all. Yeah. And never came across Chinese ghost story ever again. And just always kind of remembered it as this really fun, silly, just insanely entertaining and strange yeah. movie. And <laughs> I, but I never, for whatever reason, you know, I went off to film school and I never got into like the subculture of passing these tapes around or hanging out in that section of Vulcan video or <laughs> I, I never really learned that much more or yeah. explored Hong Kong cinema. So I just really have if half a dozen or maybe 10 titles that I've seen ever, but that I really dearly love a lot. Yeah. And so I was just, this was this pure nostalgia to be able to go back and see this thing that I remembered seeing 30 years ago and going, you know what? This is still really fun. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's where this came in. Okay. So I think the first reaction that I had was that it felt like Evil Dead to me. That's funny because... <laughs> that I, was like my first thing that I said, I think, when we... I mean, like I, we're not supposed to talk about it during the film, but um, I did say that during when we were watching it. So. Well, I thought the same thing. So here... I actually started watching the movie by myself a few days before. So yeah, I noticed that you had started it. At and some then point. I was like, because like I was curious about maybe showing it to you, but sometimes I'm like, I don't know if it holds up. It's like you know you, yeah. you're careful when you recommend a book to someone that you really love, but you read it like 20 years ago or yeah. something. It <laughs> it might not be very good. And you know I've had a couple misfires where I've picked a movie where I was like, oh, we should do this in the podcast, and we watch it and we go. You know what? I'm going to pick something else. <laughs> we should do a show dedicated to those sometime. Um, so I got about... I usually go forward with those. But <laughs> I got about 45 minutes into watching this and I was like, we got to watch this yeah. together. And and even then, I just knew, got to do a Hong Kong movie. And then I had this mini debate about, well, should I do... She's. I don't think you've ever seen a John Woo movie, and I really love those so much. Yeah, I don't know if I have either. And then, and I was like, but I had just seen The Killer, which is probably the best one. I didn't want to see it again. I didn't know if that was a good entry point for you. And then I was like, A Better Tomorrow is like another one of the... But then I was like, hmm. We had just had a conversation where you were trying to find something to read, and you you just reminded me. You were like, you know, one of my favorite genres is like horror, but funny. Yeah. (laughs) And then I was There's like, not enough books that and are. And then I was like, okay, let's not do the gangster movie. Yeah. Like yeah. we've seen how many gangster movies have we seen? Let's There's do so a Chinese ghost yeah. story. <laughs> and I did notice um, there are some shots that are just straight up ripoffs of Evil Dead. The, yeah, yeah. The camera like flying along the ground, like as, yeah. as a demonic force is like traveling <laughs> through the forest. That's right out of Evil Dead. And this does come after Evil Dead. Yeah. And um, to Hark, you know, 
knows film. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it's a direct quotation of Evil Dead. And down to the tone, yeah. you know. It's kind of gross in some places, but it's funny and offbeat. Um, it's such a good combination. And for some reason, like, there's just not much of it. Like, it's so memorable when you come across it, like, like Evil Dead or Shaun of the Dead. Usually they, it has dead in it or ghosts, you know. <laughs> but then the little romantic story yeah. and just the silliness of it, I was kind of like, it's kind of like Evil Dead ate up the Princess Bride. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that. that was the other one that I thought of, too. It very much has that because same sort of... In the middle of all this, that little romantic story is actually kind of sweet. And yeah. I don't know if it's just the fact that the two actors are so charismatic and they yeah. really have chemistry and there's, there's something very tender and cute about their scenes together. But there, that is kind of, there's a Princess Bride thing there. Mm. And then there's just this outlandish, silly adventure that, goes in so many different directions yeah a lot happens and it's only like an hour and a half long but it's a lot that happens (laughs) it's only an hour and a half long but in a way it's kind of exhausting because so much happens in it and even now i the last 20 minutes or so i can't even tell you what happened it's a total blur and i and i think i was maybe a little bit sleepy too when we watched the rest of it well it was mid-afternoon so i'm like i remember they went to the underworld and and and, yeah but there's there it was mayhem yeah Uh, it was one thing after another you thought they killed the main boss but then there was another boss they had to kill yeah in video game terms that's right (laughs) and um so let's cover the just the synopsis or, or the what it's about a little bit uh yeah want to go for that sure i'll try (laughs) so we have a timid debt collector is what i've heard him described as who's traveling to the country to um collect on some debts um he uh gets rained on (laughs) and loses all record essentially the ink runs on the records that he has of the debt to be collected nobody's gonna nobody takes him seriously he has no money. Um, he asks for a place to stay the night, and the evil villagers send him to a haunted temple. Um. <laughs> so you start off with haunted, ha- like stay yeah. the night in the yeah. haunted temple. Yeah. You have all of these tropes, right? <laughs> I guess they're not evil villagers. They're just, um, they don't like debt collectors, I guess. No. <laughs> they give him really bad advice on purpose. Yeah, so he gets there, and... Um, there's a Zen. What is a he? A Taoist monk. He's a Taoist monk, but he's also a demon hunter. Yeah. Um, he's fighting. He's a great character. He's fighting some random guy who I thought was going to stick around, but immediately is dispatched. He's fighting the some ultimate swordsman. Yeah. Um, and that's how we one. learn about the demon that's hunting souls. Is is this swordsman gets uh, knocked off by the demon? Um, anyway, the Taoist monk warns the debt collector not to stay the night, but he stays the night anyway, um, where he meets, um, Susan, Susan, who's, I almost wanted to say Susan. I don't know. She's like a temple maiden or just, just a lovely maiden I, I think of she the was forest or something yeah. like that. Um, and, uh, you know, it's her job to sort of lure in the men so that the demon can attack them. Um, and um, he does something nice for her. I can't exactly remember what. And and she decides to spare his life and not 
give him over to the tree demon. Because she's not an ordinary maiden. Yeah. She's a ghost. Yeah, she's a ghost. He doesn't know she's a ghost. <laughs> so there's a lot of the opening, the lot of the yeah. first part. He has no idea she's a ghost. She's a ghost who spares him from the fate that happens to all the other men that yeah. she seduces. Seduces, yeah. Um, and then, like, more stuff happens. Like... It turns out she she's engaged to some, like, mountain god or something well, like she's, that. She's imprisoned in this life by the tree demoness. The tree demon. The old dame. With a giant tongue, like a mile long. Yeah. Trunk, tongue. Right. Stop motion tongue. <laughs> um, and her, sis, her, her sister and the old dame, the, yeah. who, who is played by a man in, yeah. in drag or makeup. Yeah. He's ambiguous. Or yeah. she's ambiguous. He was a famous actor and dancer, actually. I, looked, yeah. I had to look him up. I, uh, his name's Su Ming Lao. So, you know, him and the... There's some there's some funny business with skeletons, which was good. We can talk about so that So that was later. another Evil yeah. Dead yeah. element. <laughs> there's some funny business with skeletons. The Taoist monk and the duck collector are able to um, escape... Or free the... Well, essentially bind the the demon in the ground for like a hundred years or something like that, which is apparently the basis for the sequel. <laughs> I never saw the sequel. There's, there's at least two more. Or, or for the, not the sequel, the, the third one, whatever the third one is. Okay. Is well, the, there's at least three Chinese yeah. ghost stories. And, um, so they're able to free her and then they're going to take her urn and bury it in her home village so that she can be reincarnated and on their way there, they get attacked by the mountain god that she was engaged to. And so that's the whole afterlife thing that they had to do. And at the end, she gets reincarnated. Can the ordinary yeah. debt collectors <laughs> save the beautiful ghostly maiden from yeah. eternal damnation? But they, they don't get to have like a happy ending to their love story. It's just that she has the opportunity to be reincarnated because she's been returned to her her village where she was born. So... So it's a, it's a, as, as I guess some analysis that I read, it's a yin and yang sort of ending ha- glass, half full, half empty, you know? Yeah. I was surprised. Dead collector it, gets to live, but I, I he doesn't get to. I was a more upbeat ending. No. That was a little less ambiguous. I mean, Apparently not Apparently the but... movie that it was sort of based on from like 1960 yeah, a had a, had a more happy ending. Um, but, but the. You know, Hark wanted it to have a little bit more of a a more complicated feeling. That there's more consequences. Yeah. It was interesting. Their analysis was that, like, because it came out in 1987, and like Hong Kong, you know, that was when they were, you know, about ten years away from the transition from mm-hmm. British rule to Chinese rule, and it was sort of a very weird time in Hong Kong because like can you imagine like knowing that in 10 years you're going to have a, a time completely that was diff- hard to have like a great deal of hope yeah or, perhaps or- well and i hear that the industry in Hong Kong it was hard because um you know their audience was mostly mainland chinese audience but it was hard to get money um from from the the chinese co- communist government because there was extreme censorship so like like essentially, um, unless you could get funding from outside of mainland China, like they didn't allow. Like, I mean, I don't think this was released in mainland China actually. Um, no, no, not it was very not. much because they don't allow ghosts or so. Like, 
I was just reading about this. They didn't allow Crimson Peak, which was the Del Toro movie that mm-hmm. came out um, four or five years ago. They didn't allow the new version of Ghostbusters uh, to be released in China. So they still don't allow sort of ghost stories, any criticism of the government. So there are still some pretty strict... Um, so this is sort of like the last gaps of Hong Kong having the freedom. They might to, not have even liked the yeah. bumbling debt collector. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... But I don't know, that's interesting to me that I didn't realize that, I mean, it's something I knew about Soviet, is that they were sort of anti-religion, but I didn't realize the Chinese government was also sort of anti-supernaturalism and and ghosts and and that sort of thing. I had no idea idea that 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 was a thing, because I, my understanding is that there was a big tradition of 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 ghosts and and the afterlife and that sort of thing in Chinese culture, but not in I film. Gu- yeah, I guess it's not allowed in in China proper anymore. But you know, apparently this movie started. I think it was the first started a big explosion of yeah. like folk horror. Yeah, um, ghost story types of movies. Yeah, movies that <laughs> wanted to duplicate the, the formula. Well, apparently there were a lot of ghost stories in the eighties, yeah. like that came out of Hong Kong. Um, but, but this one was like a bigger hit than most because, because of that combination of romance and, and adventure and, you know, martial arts and all of that stuff. It was exciting and interesting. And <laughs> I didn't mention martial arts when I was naming all yeah. the genres because it's got the full on wire food stuff yeah, yeah. going on, you know, flying through the there's air. There's not and a whole lot of fighting though. I mean, just there's that one big fight at the beginning and then. No, but the Taoist monk yeah. can't go anywhere with doing, without doing somersaults That's through true. the trees on, on wires, <laughs> which true. is awesome. And yeah. as a, teenage film goer that's the first time i got to see any of that stuff so i love (laughs) Well, and the ghost lady does kind of like fly about oh yeah you know she's she's not fighting but she's like flying about gracefully yeah with her drapey long white flowing gown flapping behind her you know it's interesting because that sort of imagery was really striking to me and i was i went looking online for like any examples of like traditional Chinese art that showed women like that with the sort of flowing hair and the flowing clothes. And I didn't really see much of that. I think that a lot of the depictions that I saw of of women were more like they're in more formal clothing and they've got their hair done like in very formal ways. So I was trying to think of where I would have seen this imagery and it actually came from Sailor Moon. So there's a lot of like flowing hair and clothing in Sailor Maybe Moon. Maybe that's more of a Japanese tradition. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But like just in the, you know, 20 minutes that I spent looking for, you know, traditional Chinese imagery, I just couldn't find any examples with the... Like, there's that great shot of her where the wind is blowing her hair across her face. It's really cool. And she's, like, lit with blue light. So this is a colorful movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's just gorgeous, the colors and the light in this film. And um, I was so excited just to go geeky for a second that the just the copy on Amazon Prime is, like, a HD restoration. They restored it a few years ago. It looks beautiful. It looks almost yeah. brand new. So you got to check this out. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Uh yeah, it, it does look... For years, yeah. movies like this were only available in really crappy like VHS copies and like early days of DVD. I, I, this is probably the best this has looked it in look, years. It looks better than the last time I saw Evil Dead, <laughs> which was equally... 
Yeah, I was like, is even Dead Shot on 16 millimeter? I'm not even sure. Yeah, it's it's got that sort of choppy look to it or something like that. So, so. um, the corpses. (laughs) I adore, I love the corpses. Yeah. Now, there's just a running gag in the first 20, half hour of the movie where um, our hero, the debt collector, is spending that night overnight in the haunted temple. And there are a bunch of, like, skeleton corpses yeah. rising who, who've been awakened by his presence who are well it's like first they're in the attic i f- i couldn't figure out whether yeah. they were above him or below him so it's they started out in the attic and then he went up there to do something and left the left the, uh, so later on they came down he left the ladder up and so they came down but while he was doing something, and there's a, it's just a bunch of like comic business where he keeps not seeing the skeletons. So it's not only that, <laughs> yeah. is they're creeping towards him, yeah. and he keeps slamming them down, knocking yeah. them over, shutting the door, like they can't get to him. And then, please, <laughs> picture, if you will, the most ramshackle, low-budget, stop-action photography animation ever because they're just amazingly badly animated in a wonderful way yeah i love the terrible skeletons like uh ray harryhausen sort of yes ray harryhausen who was doing that in the the 30s the 40s the 50s and you got 1987 (laughs) let's do stop action skeletons rumbling around it's just so cheesy and lovely yeah it was it was really a pleasure to watch um but yeah that's it's it's pretty good comic business that he's got going on. What do you think he... about the uh, the giant tongue? So that was that was really good. I actually thought it was better. At, it looked better than the skeleton. I thought the giant tongue was it looked, amazing. Looked, looked pretty cool. It's really gross and amazing. <laughs> well, it's funny. They showed a few shots of it before you know that it's a giant tongue, and yeah. I was like, "What is going on?" I, here? I think I remembered because I was like, "This is." Are these roots? <laughs> no, it's just the giant tongue of the demon lady. So. <laughs> And then you have musical numbers just randomly midway yeah, through the that movie. Was a little weird. The Taoist monk starts rapping, and what he's rapping are the first lines of Lao Tzu. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but he's doing like a rap version of it. Interesting. <laughs> I didn't. I, I didn't know enough about that to know that that was the case. Yeah. So that's uh, interesting. <laughs> and the other musical, well, so. Um, our lead, Leslie Chung, was also a famous c- canto pop singer. That's right. Um, yeah. and, as well as being like one of the g- biggest box office draws in, in Hong Kong cinema. So he, th- he sang the theme song. It's, okay. <laughs> which I can't remember how it sounds, but I was listening for it when it was on. And um, and you also had uh, what is the instrument called that she plays? That the the chin or something. The it's like a. It's the big. It's like a... It's like a zither or, or something. Or yeah. Or a, a glockenspiel or... I don't, I'm, well, <laughs> I, I mean, it's a stringed instrument. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like an auto harp or a... Because you're playing with your fingers. So it, it's a common traditional Chinese yeah. instrument and we're just ignorant. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're trying to explain it, and it's probably like, you know, it looks it's like, like a, a violin. It looks like just the yeah. just the neck of a bass. <laughs> I don't a know giant. How, I don't know how to pronounce yeah. it, but it's spelled Q-I-N, mm. and I think it's like Qin. It's it's beautiful sound, um, you know. So there's a, a theme, 
associated mm-hmm. with our ghost maiden that she's playing actually, I think one of the first times he, their first encounters together. I think that maybe her playing it is what draws him over to yeah. the little uh, she's at, water, at a pavilion water on the water pavilion that she's yeah. on, which is a neat setting. Yeah. And then slapstick is always like two moments away, no matter yeah. what else is going on. Like you have a little moment of like attraction and connection between them and he's listening to her and she sees him. And then of course he like falls into the water and yeah. he's got it. She's <laughs> got to pull him up and she dangles her, her delicate foot down with the anklet on it, which yeah. becomes this motif of her foot with the anklet and, and, and. Well, I think that's how, I mean, like they established that early on. There's like a pre, um, like a pre-credit sequence where they sort of establish the sort of history of the ghost where she's there's a monk riding in the temple yeah. and she seduces him and then her she moves her anklet and that that's what calls the demon so so when he grabs her anklet and shakes it is like she's like stop it she's stop never it never touch the anklet <laughs> and then he falls back in the water i th- again i think yes he falls in. Well, and then there's that great scene where, like, he comes to visit her in her house where her sister and the demon are are talking to her. And the only way that they won't smell him is if he hides under the water in her bath. Um, so he has all these slapstick. scenes where he, like, tries to, like, he takes a breath and, and, like, her sister's suspicious. So she tries to look in and, like, so she drapes her part of her robe over the the bath so she can't see in. And then there's no escaping the effect that she actually has to pr- take a bath with yeah. him still in the tub. That's hiding. right. And he has to <laughs> and he has to keep gasping for air. Yeah. And then she gives him like a a ghostly breath kiss sort yes. of thing to keep him breathing. Yeah, under the water because um her sister's super suspicious about it. <laughs> I just remembered that her sister like gets beheaded at some point and disappears like yeah. like it, this is not a big deal she's no. not a major character i'm not spoiling anything i was just <laughs> remembering you never know what's going to happen and whether it will link to later consequences or just be a strange thing that happened well i think it was the monk that that decapitated her yeah. and then that's when the the debt collector comes and is like, hey, don't kill the other one. She seemed you know? fine, by the way, if you're worried about it. She was just a ghost without a head who yeah. went screaming away. Yeah. Well, maybe not <laughs> screaming, but flowing away. So, yeah, it's it's hard to, to like, streamline this because there's just, like, a whole lot that happens. Like, there's stuff that happens in the village that we haven't really talked about. There's a whole thing about how he finds out she's a ghost because... Um, it's he, that scroll painting. Yeah, he's he's in the village and he sees a painting at the painting dealer's, you know, shop um, of this beautiful woman brushing her hair. And, you know, the painter tells him that this woman was dead and it was, you know, taken a hundred years ago or whatever. Um, so then, like, slowly over time, like, it's revealed that, you know, she is... The person in in That's the, the painting. Thing. We know she's a ghost from the beginning, basically, but he takes him a while before yeah. he knows. And is there a point where he's like afraid of her? I think there is. Yeah, there is. But he gets over that pretty quickly. It's not very long. Yeah. <laughs> I can picture him being afraid of her and like trying to get away from her, but then 
I don't remember what happened next. <laughs> so the effect of watching this movie is kind of, you know, like when a five-year-old tells you the plot of a story yeah, and then this like happened that. and then, and then, then this happened, happened and then this, this happened. happened. It kind it's of a, feels too, like It's that. a lot that ha- I can't imagine that this story has that much. Go- like the original story from, you know, 16 whatever has well, this much going on. The bones you know? of the story, like yeah. the, the supports <laughs> holding it up, there's not much there. Yeah. So it's all about just the weird complications along the way. I mean, there's yeah. wolves in the beginning that never have anything to do with anything other than, oh, it's scary. And You the... mean the German shepherds with the red eyes? <laughs> yes. She was more disturbed by the German shepherds who were supposed to be wolves than the uh, stop motion skeletons. They were obviously German shepherds. <laughs> it's okay, though. Because... But they, well, I did like how that it wasn't like a special, I mean, like it was a special effect, but what they did was they painted the film. Like, that's how they did the red oh, yeah. eyes, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, which was just cool to see because we don't do that anymore. I know, but I've you know? always loved that. You know, now we do digital painting and, and, and all of that on, oh, none of this on movie scanned would, images. And, none of this you know. movie would, is, would have been as good if it were digital. No, Can you no. imagine this movie without the wires, without the no. stop motion, without <laughs> <laughs> the giant, uh, they had to make a giant mechanical prosthesis tongue thing or whatever yeah. just big rubber mat thing who knows you know there's when, a lost era of special effects that this movie is just has yeah. so much joy with one thing that i liked about the and i don't know that it that anybody else would care but like there's this whole thing where these like magical pavilions seem to appear out of nowhere um but really like all there is behind the temple there isn't this like there aren't these beautiful pavilions or anything like that. There's just a, a cemetery. I mean, a graveyard is behind the... So, like, you don't discover that till the end that he's like, dude, you know, this... I forgot about yeah, that. All not... they see are, like, ruins of things. Yeah. But all the whole time he thought he was encountering all these beautiful pavilions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all part of the, the charm... Or the... the Yeah, the... the charmed supernatural... Spell. I'm yeah. trying to think of the word spell <laughs> of the whole air. Well, and then area. there's like a horse riding scene too. Like, do you remember the horse riding scene where the they're running around scene. in the, you know, they got lost I'm in the forest. You, it got, got, got a little foggy the last <laughs> the 20 last minutes 20 or so. Minutes. But it doesn't matter at all. It doesn't, yeah. it's, it's all of a piece. It's, I don't know. I want to see more things like this. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> we should. I don't know if Chinese Ghost Story two or three is supposed to be any good, but I would watch it just to see. Well, I feel like you know I have been exploring uh, different parts of 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 the of larger Asia for probably a year and a half now or something like that. I don't know. I feel like, but from your armchair, not actually we, not going actually to- going there. So I mean, like. You know, because it always does. It started with food. And, like, I started... It always does. You know, we're locked in our houses, so I've been, like... But luckily, in in both the places we've lived in the last few years, we live really close to um, Asian markets. We used to live next to a 99 Ranch in our old neighborhood. Now we live next to an H-Mart, um, which is the big Korean supermarket um, chain. And um, it, they don't just carry... You know, they carry food from all over... Asia. And so I've been learning about actually through my Milk Street cookbook about all sorts of different Korean dishes and Chinese dishes and 
uh, Japanese dishes that, and then, you know, so then I took an architecture class and I started learning about different types of architecture and different gardens in Asia and um, how that relates to the Western. And then, so now I've kind of been obsessed with it recently. Like I just, I, I just finished a Japanese book. Um, before that I read the whole, in like, like a week and a half, I read the entire Crazy Rich Asians trilogy, (laughs) (laughs) which is set in Singapore. Yeah. Um, but actually is spread out all over, um, all over Asia and, and does a lot to talk about the difference between sort of people of, of the Chinese extraction who live outside of China, like people from Singapore, people from Hong Kong and those who live in mainland China. And like, I didn't even realize that there was like a difference, you know, but apparently culturally there's a lot of differences between those who grew up and, and lived in the main. And then of course, China is so huge, you know, like different parts of China have different cultural experiences as well, you know? So it's just, I don't know. So I'm, I'm very interested in learning more about all of this. And I feel like I don't know much about, mainland China at all, you know, um, I think I've heard a little bit more about Hong Kong because of its ties to the West and Singapore because Singapore has become this big thing. But like, I feel like China is this big force in our world. And I don't really understand or know as much about it as I'd like to. It sounds like we should yeah. explore more Chinese film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly. Another way to... <laughs> well, and I feel like a lot of what I've seen is sort of filtered through this Western lens, which is not the best way to learn about a culture or mm-hmm. a country or, like, in the case of China, a huge, complex um, combination of different cultures and experiences and and everything. And I feel like I... Like, it's it's like, you know, a third of the people on this planet, you know... <laughs> And I just don't know much about the culture other than what I've been fed from my westernized viewpoint. So that's something that I hope that we can correct more of. Um, I mean, like, I think my experience, my first experience with probably was Big Bird in China. <laughs> which I, which came out in the 80s. I, I don't really know. <laughs> I've heard of it. I well, seen and this. oddly. Like, what I remembered of the story was actually what happened in the Big Bird in Japan. Because there were two specials. There was Big Bird in China and Big Bird in Japan. So I thought what happened in Big Bird in Japan happened in Big Bird in China, but I was wrong. I got the stories confused, so. (laughs) My mom went to China when I was growing up. She got to go on a, a trip organized through... Her church, or yeah. not, not her church, but some organization, some organization that may or may not have brought some Bibles over in suitcases. Yeah. Well, I kind of wonder, like it. I haven't. It's it's been many years since I've seen it, but I'm a big fan of Ang Lee, and he did uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, right? Yeah. yeah. He's, isn't he Taiwanese? Yeah, yeah, he is. But I just kind of wonder if. Um, you know, I just what I remember about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is the beautiful. Well, of course, the beautiful wire work, but the flowing. Well, that comes dresses, out of the traditional yeah. Chinese ghost story. Yeah, yeah, that, too, definitely. Yeah. Chow Yun Fat's in that. Yes, yeah, true. And he's my my fave gangster. <laughs> I should I I should see those again. Um, but I've only seen Crouching Tiger 
once yeah when it came out so i, I think like i've only see seen it once you have too. the dvd or i have the dvd somebody gave it to me at some point yeah well th- wasn't there another movie that came out just after that too that was it had michelle yo in it probably but i mean this is a long time ago yeah for yeah me. house of flying daggers <laughs> yeah, 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 i also yeah. saw that one too i never saw that so i guess i saw that sort of Sort of poetic. So, but I gotta tell you something. <laughs> I mean, this movie's like totally grounded in like Hollywood cinema and yeah, stuff yeah. too, right? Yeah. Um, I found out today that Chu Hark, he went to film school at UT Austin. Oh, really? He graduated I didn't know in seventy five. That's awesome. <laughs> so he came over here and did his film studies yeah. in Texas. Yeah. He went to Southern Methodist. And oh then, wow! And then he went to UT Austin, got his film degree, and then he went back. No, then he did a little. He worked in film a little for a couple of years in New York, and then he went back with all of this under his belt back to Hong Kong and started making these movies. Interesting. So he was uh, raised and uh, had a had an appetite for everything in, in film, yeah. I think, before he, <laughs> he went back and started making all of these films. Wow. But, um, yeah, my, I really don't... I, I've... I've never seen any of the Bruce Lee films, but I really, really love the John Woo <laughs> gangster films. Yeah. The Killer, Better Tomorrow, Hard Boiled, um, all of those. And then, and, and I, I think you said you've never seen any of the John Woo Hong Kong movies that probably you've only seen Face Off when he came to I th- the state. Yeah, I think I've only which seen is Face silly Off. silly and kind of entertaining, but kind of terrible. So. Wait, but he didn't, he do... Oh, he didn't do Broken Arrow too. Is that? I believe he did. He did Broken Arrow, yeah, and he Broken did Mission Arrow. Impossible Two. Yeah, which you might have seen. I think I've seen Mission Impossible Two. It's an Amber Alert. That's fine. Yeah, there's nothing we can do about that now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, do you have any other thoughts about this film, or where we go next, or what it brings up, or? Well. I mean, I don't know. I've, <laughs> I'm always interested in the sort of architecture of, of temples. This one didn't have very much temple stuff in it. Um, it did kind of have the neat... Um, it had the big, like, lion yeah. sculpture thing, statue, yeah. and leading to the, one of the pavilions, or the temple yeah. itself, I think. I don't know. I... I feel like there's, it's like, there's a lot more that I need to learn here and that like I have the, the risk of saying something that might offend someone. But one thing that I'm interested in is sort of like the relationship between like Japan and China and Korea and, and like how the cultures are similar and how they're different and, and I'm really fascinated by that. Like, I know that we've watched a lot of, it seems like there've been like a major rise in the prominence of South Korean directors of the, in the past, maybe 10 years or something like that. And we've seen a lot of um, really good and interesting films coming out of Korea. Um, And then, and of course, Japan has that, that, that great film history that I've seen some of, but could could stand to see a lot more. Um, 
but I feel like I, I just have sort of a giant blind spot when it comes to Chinese film, you know, um, like there seems to be like all this, I don't know, all this history that I don't understand and, and like relationships with mm-hmm. the West and, and like, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's very interesting and I'm, I'm looking forward to exploring more of it, you know. I'll find a Chinese movie for yeah. us to watch. There was some good one. I mean, I, there, I was more familiar with Chinese film in the late 80s, early 90s yeah. when some good stuff was coming over. Yeah. And doing well at Cannes and, and um, just getting more visibility. But I don't know what's going on anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Blind spots for me as well. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting culturally, because I was just looking at, I mean, just like from a food perspective, like looking at how, like, different Asian cuisines, how they relate to one another, and, and like how they relate to other parts of the world. And like, I noticed that there's a lot of similarity to among like, certain Korean cuisines and and parts of China and then there's some similarity between Korean food and Japanese food so like me it's been years since I took geography I had to like look at a map and see where Korea is in relation to Mm -hmm. China and you know essentially like like Korea and Japan are like sort of separated by the I don't know what that what that sea is that separates them and then China is sort of around Korea, North and South Korea. So, I mean, it makes a lot of sense that there would be a lot of relationships and sort of, and apparently like you know, this has just come up in like TV shows that we watched but like Japan, you know attacked Korea on a number of occasions. I know that there's a big history of Japan being the aggressor towards China. I think there's some back and forth there too. So there's this whole like history of engagement between those countries that you know that I'm interested in learning more about so um I mean I think there must be a lot of like cultural exchanges Mm -hmm. and and you know I I mean just from a food perspective you can see the connections between the different cultures and 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 architecturally actually there's a lot of you know like I mean like sort of there's this aura around Japanese architecture. And I feel like, at least in my architecture class, not as much study of of Chinese architecture, but there's a lot of sort of crossover and influences there that that I'd like to explore. And and it's fun to do that through film because there's also stories involved. <laughs> That's the entry point for me. <laughs> You're going to notice a lot of the other stuff that I don't notice. Yeah. But. All right. Well, I'm glad we can go on this journey together. Yes. And I'll have to see what else I can find. Yeah. This one just popped into my head out of nowhere. Yeah. I was never on a short list for a movie to consider for this show, which I still have somewhere. Yeah. It just <laughs> occurred to me one day yeah. when we needed something silly and light. Yeah. So cool. I'm glad you liked it. It's 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 it was awesome. It was yeah, just just my sort of thing. I mean, like, I really think that I really would have... I mean, I, I enjoyed it now, but I think, like, if it had caught me, like... 
I'd be curious to know if your brother has seen it. I, I don't know, but I think he would love it, too. And I actually think his his kids would love it, too, especially his middle child, Titus. Yeah, yeah. They're um, really into um, uh, martial arts. I'm yeah. not real sure what school of martial arts they're doing, yeah. but um, um, Titus is... I think my brother... Titus was doing really well, and my brother got back into it because of him. So um, I think my nephew actually has a higher belt than my brother does. So, and you know, I realized that you know martial arts has a lot of sort of westernization going on yeah, yeah. too. There's some weird, like back and forth, yeah. and and actually like a lot of what's taught here in the United States is largely came from Texas anyway. It's a weird. Um, I read a weird history about martial arts in the U.S. and how it sort of like started in Texas, you know, and, and, you know, of course, Chuck Norris was involved in that and Mm -hmm. sort of spreading it around in the 80s, you know. Um, So, yeah, anyway. Fascinating. Yeah. Probably largely due to the Ninja Turtles and and Kung Fu action films and that sort of thing. So, hey, (laughs) whatever makes it happen. Yeah, yeah. It's all good. Well, you know, I would I would hope that that in the future that we adopt things with a little more care than than we have in the past <laughs> here in the states and other western things, you we know. We can hope. Yes. Hopefully we do it better in the future. So. Well, guess what? <laughs> Next time it's your cho- your choice uh, yeah. to pick a movie. That's right. And uh, barring any other National disasters, natural, national, natural, natural, natural disasters. Other than the other one that we're living under, you know, so. Oh, yeah, it wasn't enough just to have one. <laughs> one we one had to have the pandemic yeah. plus the, the yeah. winter storm from hell. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening with us. Check out a Chinese ghost story on Amazon Prime yeah. or wherever you can find it. But yeah. it, it's there if you remember. And um, let us know if you like it. Yeah. And uh, we will be back in a couple weeks. Knock on vinyl or whatever is yeah. close by. I don't know what that is. Metal. With, uh, aluminum. 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 It's not a thing, though. You yeah. can't. Okay. Uh, see you soon. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye.